0: the dawning of real hope, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The cross and resurrection change everything. And, you know, we just finished a series this last week called The Scarlet Thread. And over the last six weeks, we've been looking at uh, some different themes that would help us to understand and answer the question, why did Jesus have to die? And as we looked at these th- themes, it helped us to understand... Um, what Jesus' death on the cross meant for us what he accomplished through his death on the cross, but Jesus' death wasn't just a tragic ending to amazing life. He died to accomplish the saving work that God sent him to do. But without the resurrection, if Jesus had stayed dead, um, the cross would be for nothing. We would have nothing to celebrate. And the cross and the resurrection, the cross and the resurrection, are Jesus' provision for us. This this is how God is fixing everything that is broken in our world. And this is where hope comes from. Whatever the circumstances we face, because of the resurrection, we know that God wins. And in the end, He will make things right. And I wonder today, how many of you are believing God for something. Believing that God is going to do something in your life, believing God that has God has something for you, He's, he's spoken something into your life, you're believing God for something. Somebody? All right. <laughs> That's good to know. And I wonder how many of you uh, also, though, have experienced uh, loss, felt like you've lost hope at some point, whether it was for a minute, for... A season you just felt like there was no hope. Just lost hope. We've all all experienced those kinds of times too. And I want to talk this morning about the recovery of hope. In the resurrection, God made an astounding recovery of hope for all humankind. And we're going to go back and look at the story when that hope first became known, and talk about how we can recover hope in those times when we feel like hope is lost. And, you know, we have the advantage of being this side of the resurrection, and uh, we have the scriptures that help us to understand what it means for our life and everything, but it was pretty difficult for that first group to get it, to grasp it. And we're going to look at a story of two of Jesus' disciples as they discovered and experience the risen Savior. And the story takes place on Sunday afternoon. Um, The events of the morning were kind of a blur. It started out with sorrow, mourning, and then everything kind of turned to excitement and wonder and questions. And Jesus' followers didn't really know what to think. They were trying to grasp what had happened and to sort through everything. The things that the women said when they came back from the tomb, the uh, empty tomb that the guys found when they got there, and angels appearing, and all this was very unexpected and, and kind of unreal, you know? And we find in Luke 24, in late afternoon of that same day, that two of Jesus' disciples set out to go home to Emmaus. And we don't know why they're going to Emmaus. Maybe they're fleeing Jerusalem out of fear, the Religious leaders are trying to pin this mis- missing body on Jesus' disciples, and and uh, maybe they were just going back. They had some livestock to take care of, or family matters to, to deal with. We don't know why they're going back to Emmaus, but we are told that Emmaus is about seven miles from Jerusalem. So a little bit of a hike. It would be like walking from here to a baseline church, <clears throat> um, <clears throat> take more than the ten minutes that we take to drive there. And we don't really know who these disciples are. We know that one of them was named Cleopas, which was not one of the 12. Maybe one of the 70 that Jesus sent out two by two. And maybe this other guy was one of the ones that went out two by two. We aren't told exactly who they are. Sorry, Um, But their story provides us a great illustration of how we can recover hope when hope is gone. And as we're, they walked along, uh, making this trip back to Emmaus, they were talking. They were talking about everything that had happened that day, as you can imagine. You know, they're talking about the empty tomb and how dead Jesus was Friday. I mean, he was really dead, and how likely it was that the women were seeing things. You know, you know how that Mary is. She's—you uh, might—they—they they might have been talking about, you know, who had taken the body and where they might have put it and what their motive would have been for it. And as they're discussing the events of the day, it says that Jesus starts to walk with them. I don't know if he just appeared behind them or how it came that he caught up with them, but he begins to walk with them. And he says, do you mind if, if I walk with you? And uh, he said, I, I overheard what you're talking about. Uh, what, what is it that you're um, talking about there? And the scripture says that they were kept from recognizing him they didn't know that it was jesus who was walking with them and of course there was a reason that jesus didn't reveal himself right away but we have the advantage of knowing that jesus is with us he's promised that he will never leave us or forsake us and and we know that he will keep his promise so as we're talking about recovering hope and uh recovering joy it's important to recognize that we will need to remember that Jesus is walking with us. Jesus is with us. Jesus is the source of all hope. And if you'll remind yourself uh, in times of disappointment or discouragement or in sadness and grief, that Jesus knows, Jesus cares, Jesus hasn't forgotten you, and that he is with you, then you'll have hope. And you know... um, Some days I'll get kind of feeling like I'm overwhelmed or something. And I'll look at the clock and I'll see that Forrest is going to be home in an hour or two hours. And that just makes all the difference because I I know my circumstances aren't going to change. But when he's there, I know everything's going to be all right, you know. It's just, I, I just know it's going to be okay. And when Jesus is walking with you, you can know that everything is going to be all right. It may not turn out how you had hoped. Your circumstances may not change. But Jesus' presence makes all the difference. Uh, If you think about the names that we find in Scripture for Jesus, He's our rock. He's our stronghold. He's the cornerstone. He's the Prince of Peace. Colossians 1 says that He holds everything together. In Philippians, we're told that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. If Jesus is with us, and we remember that he's with us, then we have hope. Now, Jesus was walking with these two disciples, and, and it's almost as if he's having a little fun with them. He's acting like he doesn't know what happened in Jerusalem. You know, he says, uh, so what, what happened? And, and he asks them about these events. He wants to get their take on it. And this is what we read in Luke 24:17. He asked them, "'What are you discussing together as you walk along?' And they stood still, their faces downcast. And one of them, named Cleopas, asked him, "'Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem "'and do not know the things that have happened there in these days?' "'What things?' he asked. "'About Jesus of Nazareth,' they replied." was a prophet, powerful in word and deed, before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. We had hoped he was the one who would save us. And, you know... Um, you can kind of imagine them telling the stranger at this point then some of the miraculous things that Jesus had done. And Cleopas and this other disciple kind of recounting those things. Like, you know, remember when he turned the water into wine? Oh yeah. And the look on the servants' faces when when they took the water that had been turned to wine to the master of ceremonies and he declared that it was the best wine he'd ever tasted. What a hoot. And remember the time when when Peter uh, was fishing and Jesus told him to throw out his nets and he pulled it in. He caught such a load of fish. The boat was about to swamp before Peter got it, before he understood that it was about Jesus. And then, wow, did he hit the deck fast. And then there were all the healings and dead people being brought back to life. It seemed like there wasn't anything that he couldn't do. It seemed like he was the one who was going to save us. He was the one that we were waiting for. We had hoped that he was the one, but then, you know, I think this is the point in the story when we can relate the most. Most of us have had the time when we could finish Cloapis' sentence for him, um, where we could end it for ourselves and, and fit our circumstances into his sentence. Things like, I had hoped God would heal me, but now it doesn't look like that's going to happen. Or, I had hoped that this job would be different. I, I thought God had opened the door for me to this, and now I'm not so sure. Or, I had hoped that God would save our business, and that isn't going to happen. Everything's lost. Or I had hoped that coming to church would save my marriage, but I don't see any change yet. One of the great challenges I experience, and I I think most of us have, as followers of Jesus Christ, as people of faith, is disappointment when life doesn't go as we had hoped. And this may not be true for everyone, but if you believe that God loves you, and you believe that God is able to intervene and work in your circumstances, that he can do anything, then it can be disappointing when you're counting on God and he doesn't come through, or so it seems. And that's where the followers of Jesus Christ were on that Sunday afternoon. Um, If you can imagine the horrific images, the memories that they would have had of watching Jesus being beaten, nearly to death, and then watching him struggle all day on the cross just to breathe. And the spear plunged into his side at the end of the day. And then they watched as his lifeless body was taken from the cross and laid in the tomb. He, he was dead. I mean, dead indeed. We said he was risen, risen indeed. He was dead, dead indeed. So here they are, and the women say... He's risen. The tomb is empty, and they're slow to believe. They're slow to let hope in. Um, Look at all the evidence that they had. Uh, This is what they told Jesus. And they said, And what's more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that They had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. And, you know, when we're disappointed, when we're grieving, sometimes it's hard to let hope in. And that was certainly true for them. But if we're going to experience joy, we have to be willing to let hope in. Um, to believe God for his promises. Jesus had told them all along, uh, on the third day, I'm going to be raised to life again. But that seemed so entirely impossible because of everything they had seen that they couldn't believe, even with all the evidence they had that Jesus was alive. And the deeper the grief, the harder it is to let hope in. The deeper the hurt, the harder it is to believe again. But hope is essential to a person of faith. And hope is the great game changer. Um, in Hebrews 11.1, 1, we read, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not yet see. Do you see the pattern here? Faith follows hope. And hope is the seed from which faith grows up, and when we let hope in, then faith follows, and hope is essential uh, to faith, and it's also essential to healthy grief recovery. You know, it's normal to be sad, to cry, to have sorrow, to mourn when you have losses, and, and to go through these the stages of grief and have seasons of sadness, but it's not good to get stuck in the grief sorrow may last for a night but joy comes in the morning that's what God promises us and and that was true for the disciples and that's what God wants for you as well uh, look at first Peter 1 3 does blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ according to his great mercy he's caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Jesus' resurrection means that we have reason to hope and that our hope is a living hope. It's not some dead promise, but a hope that's real and reliably alive. And Jesus wants us to experience joy and hope. And he didn't leave the disciples on the Emmaus Road any room for doubt. It says that, uh, he At first he said, how foolish you are and how slow to believe. Uh, you know, he kind of called them on it. They were slow to let hope in. But then he began to unfold the scriptures to them. Everything from Genesis all the way through Moses and the prophets. And show how that they pointed, just kind of like we've been looking at over the last several weeks. How they pointed to Jesus. His death on the cross, but also his resurrection, that he had to suffer and die, but that he would be raised to life again. And it was while they were on that journey and while Jesus was unfolding the scriptures to them that they began to understand their circumstances from God's perspective. And they began to see how Jesus had to die and how it was all part of God's plan and that he indeed was alive. So the third step to recovering hope and joy is to keep walking with Jesus. Keep trusting him. Keep, keep on with the journey and seek God's perspective on your circumstances. As Jesus opened the scriptures to them, they began to see their current circumstances and situation from God's perspective. And they began to see how Jesus' death fit into God's plan for the world and for them. And it was while they were on that journey that Jesus helped them to see what he was doing in their life. And we have to remember that life is a process. It's a journey. And God is working through everything that happens in our life to shape our character, to help grow our faith, to make us more like Jesus. And while we don't always understand his ways, If we will read his word, if we'll get in those places where God can speak to us, be in worship, um, have time in prayer, uh, be in fellowship with other believers, then we'll begin to understand what God is doing, how God is working in our circumstances, what he wants to do in our life through the thing that is uh, causing us the sorrow and the feelings of loss. And he will begin to show us what he wants to do next. In Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and this is our memory verse this week, God gives us instructions for times when we don't understand. Uh, Let's read this together. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all that you do, and He will show you which path to take. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Seek His will in all you do, and He'll show you which path to take. He'll show you the next step to take. God wants us to recognize His presence with us, to trust that He's working everything together for good. That's another one of His promises. And that He will be with us in the future, continuing to work everything to a good end. Now, when the disciples got to their home, they invited Jesus to come in and stay with them for the night, still not knowing who he was. And we read this in Luke 24:28, When he was at table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us when he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? And they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. And there they found the eleven and those with them assembled together, saying, It's true, the Lord is risen, He's appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way, and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Because of the resurrection, we, we know that everything will be put right in the end. And if everything isn't right yet, then we know we're not to the end yet. And, you know, I don't know what you've lost. Um, You may have lost a loved one. You may have lost your health. You may have lost a job. You may have lost an important relationship or some deal. And you're hurting and maybe questioning. But every step of the way, Jesus is walking with you. You have never, ever been alone. He has never left you by yourself. God is with you. He knows and he cares. And this meal is our reminder that God loves us. Jesus told us to share this meal as a reminder of his presence, of his love, and his hope. Everyone is invited. Everyone is welcome to come to the table. And as you do, may your eyes be opened to recognize once again our risen Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Our loving God, um, we praise you, we thank you at Easter because uh, it's our reminder that you're going to win, that no matter what happens to us now, you'll see us through, you won't leave us, you'll help us through it, and that in the end, it'll all be right. We thank you. We thank you for Jesus for his willingness to go to the cross, and we thank you for showing us the resurrection power that raised him from the dead and the hope that that gives us, God, that we can live resurrected lives that we can overcome in our own lives and in our own um, hurts and situations. I thank you, God, for this church and every person here. I pray that you'll help them to believe you for miracles, to believe you, um, to... Continue to guide them, and I pray that you'll put their feet on the path that you have for them, and they'll know it's you. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.